Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad, where we talk about the post-jazz game and all things sports. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is the dad, Barry, coming to you after the game. A win by the Jazz after a two-game losing streak. They get back into the winning ways, make their record eight and three. A lot of that has to do with being at home and sleeping in your own bed, and we have quite the homestand coming up. So this is a great first step as they beat the Atlanta Hawks tonight um, by a score of 110 to 98, holding the Hawks under 98. Spencer, what are your thoughts about tonight's game? Great game. I feel like it could be the standard for the Jazz game or at least kind of their goal each night. Each player kind of played really well. So it's it's um, it was a good game. Um, O'Neal played really well, had 11 points. Um, Mitchell had 27 points. Bogdanovich had 16. Conley had 12 and then Gobert had nine points and 14 rebounds. I thought Clarkson played okay, and then Whiteside obviously had a good night, and even Pascal played really well with seven points. So this is kind of a goal night each night for the Jazz. It was a competitive team with the Hawks. We have beat them for the second time now, but it was still a night that we want to see our players at each night. Yeah, absolutely. A few things that stood out to me tonight in random order here. First of all, great win. Good to get back in the winning ways. Second of all, the Hawks shot 51% from three. A lot of that was fueled by Kevin Herter and what he did to the Utah Jazz tonight in the first three quarters. He was virtually unstoppable and shooting a high percentage and then went completely silent and quiet in the fourth quarter. But the Hawks shoot 51%, 18 for 35 from three, the Jazz shoot 39%, 15 from 28 for three. There's something odd that I would like to bring up that's not even in the mix of the game and get your thoughts on it. Joe Ingles tonight had a stat line um, that was not impressive. Now, Joe doesn't necessarily have impressive stat lines, so that's not the point. But he had three points, four rebounds, and assist in 21 minutes. And I just haven't seen Joe look sharp Throughout the season, there's been a few games where he's hit big threes, and that's his game. But just looking at him, the body language doesn't give me that confidence that he's really up to speed with the season. And I just wanted to get what your thoughts might be. I think other players on the on the team are more comfortable when he's in because he can have that three-pointer that he makes. And also, I, just, I think on the defensive end, he is a big body, and it helps knowing that he's on the court um, he doesn't really need to do much. And I think we kind of knew that coming into the season last season, he had a great year, but this season, maybe he's kind of getting a little older or whatever, but it, it, I think his impact comes in other ways and he will hit a three when we need him to. I don't know how many times we actually went to him. It looks like he only shot 33%. So, um, one for three, but that's because we're not, we have other players on the team that can take shots. And, and if you look at it, when he's in with Clarkson, he Clarkson's taking the majority of the shots. Um, and, and so is, um, so is Conley and Mitchell when they're on the court together. So he does kind of take a back seat in the dynamic of the ball movement. I think overall his energy on the court and off the court are what helps the team. Yeah, good points. And I 
I hear you on all of that and am impressed by the way that he has a calming influence on the court. So I totally get it. I just look at his stats this year, a little bit over eight points, three rebounds, three assists. I went back during the game because I was having this thought and checked out his stats over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. And this is the lowest uh, points per game and rebounds and assists since 2017. So it proved my thought that he's not really where he's been over the last two or three years. That said, our, the makeup of our team's a bit different. And you're right, shots are going and being taken by other people. But a great win by the Jazz. Uh, Donovan Mitchell played great. Conley played great. Whiteside has just been a breath of fresh air for us this season. We mentioned in another podcast that it's hard to see favors go, who's a fan favorite and has been for been with us for so long and had done so much for us. But Whiteside, 10 points, eight rebounds, and just played with a lot of spirit and a lot of heart. So I'm really excited about what he brings to the team. What do you think about Whiteside, and what do you think about his game through these first 11 games of the season? Yeah, definitely doing um, more than we kind of – even expected him to do and he's been a bonus player for sure and he almost continues the same momentum of Gobert I think Gobert has about 20 blocks in the season and Whiteside might have about 15 so there's not too much of a difference maybe the Gobert effect is clearly a little bit more um, surreal when players are driving but he's kind of up there with Gobert and so having a solid center spot on the Jazz team to play around at all times on the court makes a huge difference. So I'm, I've been really happy with Whiteside's performance over the last couple of games. And it does help when he's in the court defensively, but also offensively, he kind of will make other players tired and he'll give, make other players work to defend him. So that's good. Yeah. No, great point. And so glad that he's having a good season and doing what we've asked him to do and what we thought he could do. And probably a little bit more, another player that has had, had probably three solid games over this last three game stretch, even though we had two losses out of those three has been Royce O'Neal. He had 11 points, five rebounds and four assists. He's been playing really well, spirited, hustling like he usually does. Good, solid defense, a little laps here, here and there. Um, however, his scoring has been great and his three point shooting finally picked up. And so that's made a difference. We beat a team tonight that played last night against the Golden State Warriors where Steph Curry had 50. So the Warriors who are nine and one are just tearing through the league and who would have thought it, right? The Warriors are playing so well, but they beat the Hawks last night. The Hawks come in and lose to us. The Hawks are now four and eight. They've gone on a five game losing streak. They've played really good teams in that run. They played us twice, the Brooklyn Nets, the Phoenix Suns, uh, the Golden State Warriors. So they're playing really good teams and they're just struggling uh, and here's a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year and is now four and eight and in the 12th spot in the Eastern Conference. What do you think about that? I think on social media, Trey Young got a little heat because he was asked a similar question about their slow start, and he made the comment that the beginning of the season isn't as fun as the playoffs and that it's hard for him and for the team to kind of get into each game when it's not the playoffs. And everybody was like, you're acting like you're a, like, three-ring veteran. Like, why are you pretending like you've won the playoffs and that you know so much about the playoffs when you've only been there, like, a couple times? And so he kind of got some backlash for that because 
clearly he just is all about the spotlight and he feels like in the first couple of games, he doesn't really get that and takes away from his play. Still a great player though. He put up some good points tonight and he can definitely score and shoot, but I got to agree with the fans. He kind of loves being the center of attention. And I think he affects the, the team negatively when he talks about being more excited about the playoffs in the season. It's, it's, he's not in that kind of realm yet where he can be like LeBron James, who just comes to life in the, in the playoffs and talks about, and everybody knows that that's what LeBron does. He's, he's still in his first couple seasons. So why is he trying to brush off the season and look forward to the playoffs already? And so, yeah, I mean, you can say that this early, you know, we're going to take this in 15 game chunks and that's coming up and we'll see where we are. The reality is they've played 12 games. They're four and eight. You got to be careful. And Trey Young being a leader of that team has to be careful where he says the regular season isn't as fun as the playoffs, almost intimating that it doesn't matter. So interesting. Hey, tonight, one stat that is huge, two that I want to mention, but one that's huge, 44 rebounds for the Jazz to 32 for the Hawks. That shows me, number one, we're playing with hustle and grit. And number two, that we really, really wanted to be on the boards tonight. So 44 rebounds to 30, out-rebounded them by, by 12. And another stat, and I wish I'd been talking about this more in our podcast. I really like this one. The Jazz shot 16 free throws tonight to the Hawks, 10. This has been a consistent theme throughout the season. Generally, the Jazz have taken more free throws by quite a bit than their opponent night in and night out. So it's showing us a few things. One, they are getting to the rim or striving to get to the rim. And number two, they're getting fouled and making the most of it as they shot 81%, 13 out of 16 tonight. So the Jazz have really made that uh, a focus of getting to the line and forcing the action. And then they're making those as well. One last comment about tonight's game that was different than the last two losses is we did get back and transition defense a little bit more. We did cut off the fast breaks and the second chance points. So I'm really proud of the Jazz for cleaning up some mistakes they made on the road. And I do believe it's because they're at home now. So big win, 110 to 98, gets the Jazz solidly in second place in the West at eight and three. And now we look forward to a match 48 hours with the Indiana Pacers who come into Utah uh, where should win. So Looking at the Pacers, um, it'll be fun to have our team back out on the court. Eight and three. What do you think, Spence, the start of the season, first 11 games? Is this a record you expected? Uh, More wins than you thought? Less wins than you thought? What are your thoughts? I think it's been an impressive start. I mean, we're definitely in the top five in the league, and that's something to say with so many great teams around the league. I am really excited about our home court record. I think we're five. What are we? 4-0 4-0 from home now? Uh, I think that's 5-0 in the five conference. 3-4-0 and uh, and at home. Yep. Yeah, so that's a big – I think if you can win almost all of your games from home, you have a really good shot or, or you're, you're at a very good spot in the as a team. And so that's what I focus on. If the Jazz can get a good streak going from home, that will make me happy. Clearly, we're good enough to win outside of our stadium. but. Um, Definitely is a little bit harder, and we will get some wins on the road. That will be big, but 
been really impressed. I, I'm curious to see how we play against the Pacers because they're not really a team we should lose to, but we said that about Orlando. So it'll be interesting to see where our our aggression is when they come into our court um, with their record. What do you right. think? Yeah, that, I mean, listen, Pacers have one more win than Orlando. They're four and seven and 13th out of 15 teams in the East. So yes, it should be a win. Little different than Orlando. We got caught back-to-back on the road, tough night, or first night in Miami, just didn't make shots 19% from three-point in Orlando. It'll be a loss that we'll look back and say, gosh, we wish we had that one, but you've got to move on and learn from it. Indiana is going to roll into our place on Thursday. We won't want to look past them, but the thought that I have is there's no reason why we shouldn't um, beat Indiana. They come in, and if you look at who they are, they have – Brogdon, who's leading them in scoring and Sabonis and rebound. It'll be fun to see the Pacers. Like I said, night in and night out, we're lucky to be NBA and sport fans because you're seeing great talent um, every night. Tonight, Trey Young, Kevin Erder. Uh, on Thursday night, you're going to see Brogdon, who we really wanted a few years ago when we didn't get Conley. Uh, so three, four years ago, but he signed a big contract and was you know, not available. So yeah. looking forward to it. Another big thing to be happy about, I think the Jazz are holding their opponents to under 103 each night. That might go down because we kept the Hawks under 100 tonight. And that really is a, is um, telling of our game plan. And I, I think that puts us seventh. I know 103 is seventh in the league in points against. So if we can kind of keep it around the 100 range, then – Clearly, you have to score a certain amount of points in order to beat certain teams. Like, if you play Golden State, you should expect to put up a, around, like, 120 in order to get a win. But if we can keep teams around 100, then our offense doesn't need too much pressure. And so I like that we're at 103. Yeah, our defense has not been elite like it has been in years past. It worries me a little bit. I, I see us relying on our three-point shot to get us back in the games where really good offense equals good defense. But in order to win a championship, we have to be at an elite defense. I saw it a few games early. I think the team's a bit worn out. And I've said this now a few times last podcast and this podcast, we're going to be home. I think I saw a stat where it was something unreal where – I don't know, 28 nights out of the next 30 days, we're in our own bed. And whether that's right or wrong, we're going to be in our bed a lot over the next 30 days in our own bed. And so that's going to make a difference and get this team kind of back um, with, with good defense. Um, a couple of other games tonight that are out there, only two others. Blazers are losing to the Clippers in LA by four at the end of the mm. third, 83, 79. But here's one that's interesting to me. The league is so loaded with talent. The Bucks go into Philly and beat them 118 to 109. The Bucks have been struggling. That makes them five and six. And it puts the 76ers at eight and four. And for the Bucks to go into Philly and beat them, it just shows you that on any given night when two great teams are playing, you just don't know what's going to happen. So Antetokounmpo had 31 points tonight. Bobby Portis, 19. Grayson Allen, ex-Jazz man, goes off for 25 for the Bucks, and, uh, and they win in Philly. And Philly um, doesn't look like 
maybe they didn't play with Embiid tonight. Yeah, he did not play, and that would have been the reason they lose. Moss, Milton, Maxie, Drummond, and Reed, they didn't even play any of their starters. Hardly Curry, Embiid did not play tonight. Tobias Harris didn't play tonight. I don't know what Philly was thinking, but they did not play their team tonight, and they get beat 118 to 109. Yeah, Niang scored a, scored 21 points. Yeah, so they must have played. I don't. Yeah, listen, I'm not following the Sixers as close as maybe I should, but I don't know why you lay down on the home court against the defending champions. I don't know if that's Doc Rivers trying to be cute or what's going on there, but the the Sixers lose that one and really puts them in the standings in their conference. Um, let's just see where they are. Knocks them down to fourth. So, listen, we're right there. When you look at the league, we'll be almost second in the league behind Golden State at eight and three. Golden State's nine and one. So we're, uh, we're making it happen and very proud that we came home and got the win tonight. Yeah, and then the other game tonight, or the other, I guess, like, if the if the Clippers beat the Blazers, then Clippers will kind of get back to their winning ways. They'll be five and five. Yeah, I think they I think they've won four in a row, quite frankly. And Paul George was the Western Conference Player of the Week, um, and uh, just looking really, really good and helping that team while Kawhi is out. So kudos to Paul George for that. Um, yeah, so Dallas is right behind us. They're kind of making some moves, winning some games. They're at seven and three, and then Phoenix is six and three. That's that's interesting. I feel like Phoenix was, I guess they won a couple of games recently. Right. Again, you know, next week when we do one of our podcasts, we'll talk about the first fifteen games, and I think you'll see some things settling in, and then we're going to get to thirty games at some point in time, and you'll really see where the the league is falling. So. Uh, great night of basketball and good for the Jazz to get the win. Just a little bit of deviation tonight as we look at 75 players for the 75th NBA anniversary. Tonight's player is Charles Barkley. Yeah. As we debate who should be on the list, who shouldn't be on the list, this one's a no-brainer for me and a lock. What do you think about Charles Barkley, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, he's the, one of the greatest for a reason. He was dominant on the board. He was an aggressive driver and he even though he didn't win the playoffs or get a ring he made some good runs and put I know he did we, we beat the Rockets while he was on there the Jazz won one year against the the Rockets to go to the finals right and then exactly yep another time we lost to them to go to the finals or they I don't know if Barkley was on that team definitely yeah he wasn't on when we lost to the Rockets they had uh Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler and Kenny Smith and a number of other players. The year Barkley was on the Rockets, we did beat them. Uh, Barkley went to the NBA Finals with the Phoenix Suns. He really put Philadelphia back on the map coming out of the Dr. J era and uh, really was a catalyst for the 76ers. He's a one-time NBA MVP, which is a consistent theme throughout the 75 best players, many of them being MVPs. Um, he's an 11-time NBA All-Star. He is 11-time All-NBA, first, second, or third team. And he's a one-time NBA All-Star MVP. And he was an NBA All-Rookie first team. When we talk 
talk about great players and elite players and elite players in the NBA championships, the Utah Jazz, Carl Malone and John Stockton are some of the first to come out of your mouth. You've also got to say Charles Barkley, one of the greatest to play his position, undersized, but a big heart and a lot of hustle, but he does not get an NBA championship. Do you think that makes him any less of a great if he doesn't have an NBA championship, Spence? It's no, I don't think so. I think because he, I would have loved to see him get a ring and I think he deserved it. It's just, I don't, it's hard to get a ring though. Um, he was just, he was a mean player. He definitely made sure that players had to work in order to beat him. And I think that his dominance when he was on the court and his ability to take over games earned him the spot. I mean, clearly all those accolades that he had is the reason why he's, they just kind of showed it what type of player he was. I just remember hearing about how mean he was and, and how, how hard it, like how, how much heart he had in the game, but I don't know. It's, it's hard. Clearly winning a championship gives you some, and if you're the reason why your team won a championship gives you a little bit more credit, but you can't dismiss other awards and he got all these other awards for a reason. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, to me, in, in this instance, it makes no difference. It never really should. If you're a great player and yet you don't win an NBA championship, there are, there are a lot of guys who have multiple rings who don't even step on the court. They just were a 15th man on a 15-man roster of a team that won a championship. So one great he headline. Oh, go uh, ahead. Did he play with Jordan that, off, that much for that long when you say play with Jordan, he played in the same era as Michael Jordan. Like for how many years? For the whole reign of the Bulls? or Yeah, most. I mean, he and Stockton and Jordan were all, I think, drafted in the same year. Yeah. That's and, um, so their careers paralleled each other. And for that reason, Carl Malone, John Stockton, they don't have rings. You're, you're playing in an era where Hakeem Olajuwon was the greatest for a couple of years and Jordan was the greatest for six years. So eight years out of your NBA career, if you played in the same era as Michael Jordan, were won by two megastars. So um, his, the, the headline to the article on NBA.com about, Michael, about Charles Barkley says, big game and even bigger personality. I'll come to it in a minute, but we know he's gone on to really make a name for himself on uh, TNT. It says, although he was initially thought to be undersized at six foot six, Charles Barkley became one of the NBA's best power forwards ever known for his tenacious rebounding and low post scoring Barkley was equally deft at running or finishing a fast break. I remember when he came into the league and he was known as the round mound of rebound. He looked overweight and undersized and quickly everyone learned that that didn't matter. Even though that was the makeup of his body, he went out and played like a superstar. And that's, what's interesting about looking at a Zion Williamson is his body is composed differently, but he's able to do amazing things with that big body. But the way that Chuck handled it and the way that he developed in his career is different than the way Zion is handling it. So two big guys, body makeup a little bit different, but one knew how to handle it and one who's struggling as to how to handle it. Do you like Barkley as a commentator for TNT? I like Barkley because he's honest He's to the point. It's not necessarily for shock factor. He's just telling you what he's thinking off the top of his head. I think when you look at him and he gets so many accolades of being on that TNT show, 
that really it's Ernie Johnson, who's the quarterback of that show, who does a great job, and Kenny Smith and even Shaq. They just make Charles great. He makes them great, but without them, I don't think he'd be as great as he is. So I got to give it to the others that are around him, but sure, I really like him on that show. He's, he's funny and yet speaks his mind, and it comes from the heart, and you got to give somebody some credit for doing that. Yeah, I like him. So, yeah. All right. You, uh, uh, anything else? What did you think of Jokic the other night bodying Morris? Yeah. I think, I don't know if you saw this tonight. Uh, so first of all, as a recap, um, Jokic had the ball. The Nuggets were up by 15. Um, Morris, um, Markeith Morris in the Miami, he got a little bit frustrated <laughs> and body checked Jokic for a foul. Jokic didn't like the way he fouled him and Jokic shoved him down. Tonight it came out that Morris was fined $50,000 yeah. and Jokic was suspended for one game. I would imagine Jokic being suspended for one game was a lot more expensive than a $50,000 fine because when you're suspended, I don't think you get paid for that game. So it's a strong signal to Jokic. My understanding, and I don't know, Spence, if you've seen this on social media, my understanding is that Jokic after the game has said that he was embarrassed about what he did. I wrote you a note today saying, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often in the NBA. These guys are big, they're competitive, they're athletic, they want to win. And I, again, I'm surprised that these body checks and these little skirmishes don't happen as much as they do. Kudos to the league for keeping it under control. But um, it, it's, I, I don't think it's out of the norm. And I don't think what Jokic did was all that bad. And it doesn't sound like the league thought it was that bad. They could have suspended him for more games, but one game was his penalty. A lot of people are getting on him because Morris had his back to him and he got shoved. And if you look at the replay, even in slow motion, you can see his head get whipped back quite a bit because he had done the hard foul. Morris fouled hard and then turned around and then Jokic ran up and checked him. And so everybody's saying that it was a low, low, low blow because it was from behind. But Shaq said you can't hit a big man and then turn your back on them. And I think that's a good point. And I'm kind of on Jokic's side on this. I like the aggression, and I like when players don't take it from other players, no matter who you are. And so, yeah, Morris definitely did a hard foul, and you can't just all of a sudden turn your back and act like you're entitled to do a hard foul and get away with it and then be surprised when someone bodies you back when your back's to them. Yeah, maybe it is a little low blow to hit someone from behind, but don't hit someone and then turn around. That's kind of what yeah, that's, a, that's a great point that you make and that Charles Barkley makes. You, you, you got to keep your eyes wide open. Um, one thing about being a big man and the, everyone's big in the NBA, it seems like but when you're Jokic or Embiid or even Rudy Gobert and some of these bigger players, they are getting rocked all the time. And again, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more. This was open court foul, but underneath they are getting slammed and slammed. And, um, and sometimes your emotions just get the best of you. So I'm not excusing what Jokic did. And I'm actually not saying, I guess it was okay. Um, what I am trying to say is it doesn't surprise me. And you're right. Moore shouldn't do that and turn his back. He should have just kind of bodied up and went chin to chin for a minute, but it's so interesting and kind of fun to see. And it's early in the season. 10, 11, 12 games into it, and we're already seeing a lot of competitiveness. I like it. Yeah, it's good. So, 
should be fun to see how the rest of the league goes. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Spence. Uh, appreciate uh, being on tonight and another win for the Jazz. Yep.